You can support the Historian's Podcast with a contribution to our GoFundMe campaign on our website, bobcudmore.com, or you can send a check made out to Bob Cudmore, mailing it to 125 Horstman Drive, Scotia, New York, 12302. Thank you. I'm historian Stephen Blauweiss, and I'm based in Kingston. I grew up in Manhattan, and uh, my love of history started way back then. And uh, Kingston has so much history, just it's brimming with history, and it's one of the first uh, settlements in New York State. That includes the original New Amsterdam, which is Manhattan or New York City, Kingston, and Albany, which at the time of the original three settlements was called Fort Orange. This is the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore. Stephen Blauweiss and Karen Berelowitz are the authors of the book The Story of Historic Kingston, featuring 950 images and connections to the Catskills and New York City. I uh, I heard you, in fact, well, say I heard you in an interview with uh, Joe Donahue on uh, WAMC Public Radio, and I thought, you know, I don't know much about Kingston. I mean, I've always heard the the thing, of, the uh, piece of history about Kingston that sort of makes it into the history books or makes it official. Isn't Kingston where the uh, state constitution was written? That's correct. Right at the courthouse in uptown Kingston, which is kind of the center of the Commerce District. And uh, our own John Jay wrote it there. And it was also, the, as I like to say, the first capital uh, for about 20 minutes. I don't like to say it was the first capital because it was, but I like to say for 20 minutes, uh, just when the <laughs> Revolutionary War started. Yeah. Uh, in fact, they had to pay for writing the Constitution and, and other things that took place. After the Battle of Saratoga, uh, great British defeat in uh, Saratoga Springs, New York, or Saratoga, New York, um, in 1777. After that happened, the British sort of took it out on poor Kingston. What did they do? Yeah, as, as, like, as they had done with other towns, but in Kingston in particular, they burned it down. At the time, there were stone houses, although, of course, that doesn't burn, but all the interiors are wood, and uh, those pretty much were all destroyed but one home and uh, then later rebuilt. As you say, it was the, the capital for a, a brief period of time. And the other thing I, I didn't know about Kingston, or I was kind of confused on, you know, I don't know if I've ever actually physically been in Kingston. I was surprised when it said the, the population figures. What's the population of of Kingston right now? Right now, roughly, it's about 24,000. I would think to myself, well, this has got to be a city of 200, 300,000 people, but it's not. It's not It's not that big a city. Surprising a lot of history here, important history, too, for a very quite sort of small town, although yeah. it is a city. Or it's the county seat, I believe they say, of Ulster County. Is that so? That's correct. And it's on the west shore of the Hudson River, right? That's right. It's 90 miles straight north of the George Washington Bridge. And as I used to sort of commute back and forth when I was still teaching and connected to the city when we were making our sort of halfway uh, 
commitment up here 25 years ago. Um, I have that down with an hour and a half to, you know, the bridge. After that, you're on your own. You never know how long it's going to take to get to Manhattan. <laughs> so you, you went to Kingston because you wanted to. I mean, uh, maybe I've got a little foggy about what you were telling me. You, you were raised in New York City, but you thought a great deal about Kingston. Yes, what happened was about 25 plus years ago, my ex-wife and I, who we grew up together in Manhattan as, as kids, we both saw the writing on the wall, which was that Manhattan, New York City was becoming so commercialized and overbuilt and crowded, and uh, which it has done in exponentially. Um, and we did, were kind of didn't want to stay around that so close. So you went up to... The Catskills, and that's kind of a common story. Yes, it is. It's been more common over the last five, seven years, but it also goes way back to the earliest days of 100 years ago and 50 years ago, and, you know, so the story keeps being told over and over. I try to keep my... Well, I don't try to keep myself out of too many things I do, but I told you I never have been to Kingston, but my mother's people were from uh, Phoenicia, or actually a little a hamlet outside of Phoenicia called Chichester. And I know f from my mother's family that even though they're from the Catskills and they ended up living in Amsterdam, New York, which is where I'm from up in the Mohawk Valley, there's a certain connection between the people in the Catskills and uh, the New York City area. I know that was true with my mother's family, and I'm sure it's probably true for all the families like yours uh, that have gone between uh, the city and somewhere up in the Catskills. Right. Well, there's many, many connections, and that's one of the reasons that we use the, our subtitle in the book, which is uh, the story of historic Kingston, Connections with the Catskills in New York City. That's fascinating to me. So all the way, as you know, uh, although many New York Cityers don't know uh, that their water supply comes from the Catskills, from the Ashokan Reservoir. So that's a major connection right there. And uh, you have all of the industries uh, from 200 years ago that built the city from bricks that, that made the federal houses out of the great, after the great fire in the 1830s. Um, you have the bluestone sidewalks were paved from this area. Um, then in the 20th century, there were many connections, even right by the area you just mentioned, just a, a few miles past Phoenicia was Camp Woodland, which started in the 1939 about. And it was kind of like what they call a red diaper uh, baby camp, uh, very uh, left wing. And but it was really interesting and uh, tapping into the local folklore of the time. And it lasted through the 20s, among many, many, many other connections to New York City. Well, let's uh, let me uh, ask you about some of the the stories that you cover in uh, this book about uh, Kingston. It covers hundreds of topics. <laughs> you write in the publicity material from cement to garments. How, how do we make that connection? Cement to garments. Well, they're just lists, so they're just fun lists. So the, the, they're not always exactly connected, although the connection is that they are with Kingston. But there are. We had cement. So, for, for instance, the cement industry, what we do is we make so many connections in the book, and, and we love doing that. There's all these cross-references. So, for instance, cement has many other interesting connections other than 
the garments, but we were just trying to show the broad aspect of it. But for instance, if we take cement, for instance, that was uh, discovered uh, right near Rosendale and High Falls when they were building the uh, D&H Canal, which were the same uh, engineers that worked on the Erie Canal. So that, again, connects to New York State in a, in a strong way. So the Erie Canal was finished in 1825, and everyone comes down to this area and builds the D&H Canal, which was a major, as important as, or, or just about as important to uh, as the Erie Canal in its own right, especially to New York City in particular. So the cement, they, they start using that in major projects like uh, the Brooklyn Bridge and uh, the Statue of Liberty, other things. Like the cement was very important. It could, uh, was super strong and it could uh, cure underwater. And then they, they wind up building these mines. Then years later, at the turn of the 20th century, when that business goes under because of Portland cement, which is uh, much more easy to use and faster curing and stuff like that, uh, the empty mines are then used for mushrooms and feeds uh, the, the largest client is Campbell's Soup. And that kind of thing where we tie things that are totally seemingly unrelated, and we do that over and over and over uh, in the book, which is just a lot of fun. Uh, there's also coal. Uh, did they mine coal in the Kingston area? No, no coal from here, but that's a, a very good uh, note there. But what we do is, and there we we actually, the, on the back of the book, we say from agricide coal to Thomas coal, so that's a little pun there. But the coal actually came from Pennsylvania, where the po- coal uh, fields are, and that was what the D&H Canal connected to Pennsylvania and brought that coal through uh, what wound up being Rondau, which was a separate village at the time and was incorporated exactly 150 years ago this year in 1872. And that the, the easiest way to get here was kind of to get to New York City was heading east, but somewhat north, quite a bit north. That because of the mountains, the, the gunk, uh, Shaw Gunk Mountains are kind of in the way from Pennsylvania to New York City. I was going to bring this up at some point, but since you mentioned Rondau, there... I heard you talk about how Kingston, like Caesar said, Gaul is divided into three parts. There's three parts to Kingston? Yes, it's very confusing, and it's hard to tell a newcomer how to or a visitor how to get from one point to another. So there are three primary neighborhoods, although arguably there are two or three or four more smaller ones. And that's Uptown, and that's the original Kingston, which was settled, as, as I mentioned, as one of the first three settlements of New York State. And then you have uh, Rondau, which was a separate village down on the creek, and that was turned out to be right where the, they decided to put the uh, mouth of the uh, D&H Canal that we just spoke about. So those were separate towns. And then when they joined together to make Greater Kingston, like New York City did in 1898, a little bit later, the center between those, which is then called Midtown and where the beautiful city hall has been built and still stands there, uh, that's how Midtown got created. What part do you live in? I am uptown, but I also have had a studio where I am now in Midtown for about 10, 12 years. Where does the word roundout come from? That is not exactly known. Uh, there's allusions to Dutch landing, to a beach landing. There's a couple of definitions for that. That's primarily, the, I think, actually the, the, the closest uh, 
translation to where it came from. And sometime back, when you're talking about anthracite coal, you mentioned Thomas Coal. Who was he? Well, Thomas Cole, many people do know that uh, he was the founder of the Hudson River School of Painters, and he's from England. And I have another project that deals with uh, Woodstock as a cultural town, and that ties in a bit there. But he came from England, and, and what's interesting is there's a lot of English influence that, that come to our area, but after before the revolution, so to speak. So when the British took over for the brief time, which was barely 100 years, if people don't realize that also, English influence kept happening. Uh, and that was one of them, actually. And uh, he settled in Catskill, which is a little bit north, about 20 miles north of Kingston. And then other painters. We have our own painters. We have John Vanderlyn, who was actually uh, born here of Dutch extract. And he was actually a proto-Hudson um, River School painter because uh, he was here before the founder, as we've been saying, of uh, Thomas Cole. And then the, there was the second generation. So Thomas Cole came in 1825 and kind of established this school of painting with some other artists. And then about 25 years later, there was another school, and some people might know Frederick Church, who built that beautiful Olana. So he's sort of the second generation. And within that second generation, Kingston has some uh, native-born painters with Joseph Tubby, and some might know the name of Jervis Mackenzie. Stephen Blauweiss is with us. He and uh, Karen Borelowitz are authors of the book The Story of Historic Kingston, featuring 950 images and connections to the Catskills and New York City. Now, this is a book that you are uh, produced, but it's it's different. Uh, how is it different from a lot of books or other books? For several reasons. One of the things on the back cover, uh, we, we say that it's like a documentary film in print. And I happen to be a filmmaker, but I'm also a graphic designer for years. And so... Uh, it has all these images, and the way that the book is laid out is kind of like a documentary. So sometimes we have Im two images that are at different times. We compare them. We're not afraid to show different angles. We're normally in the book, like you said it, with that image, and because we love doing those kind of comparisons. Uh, the book is uh, beautifully uh, printed. Everything's been restored uh, you often don't see as large images as we put up all throughout the book. Um, many of the, uh, out of the 950, uh, roughly half of them have never been published before. Uh, Karen and I self-published, uh, so we are in, were in control of the whole project. So normally, um, I don't know if people know or not, but normally a writer would write and, and sort of have a manuscript, hand it over to a publisher. The publisher would then hire a designer who probably knows nothing about the subject. They'd have another person uh, researching photographs, but we did everything. So we And we write very concisely, and then we, we make uh, the design of it, which is a very important aspect, and the writing are done at the same time in a very holistic way. What don't you like about Kingston? Kingston has fallen to similar things of New York City over the last 10 years, which is gentrification with the influx of uh, New Yorkers, of which I am one, but coming up 25 years ago and took native Kingstonians. I'll never be one of them, but the next wave of always coming, uh, you know, gets annoying, is annoying to the previous wave. But 
the thing is that more recently, uh, prices of uh, homes and, and uh, the like have really risen uh, to a large degree, as they have all over, but in Kingston in particular. And then there's the other sad thing of which is again happened all over the country of its disrespect for its uh, architecture. And even though we're talking about culture within the context of this conversation in the book, and Kingston has a lot of it, but they also have um, disrespected it a lot, um, as has uh, much of America. The story of historic Kingston, the name of the book, where can you get it? How much does it cost? Yeah, so it's $85. Have it at our website, HudsonValleyHistoryAndArt.com. And we also have samples of those pages because it is so uniquely laid out that we want people to see it. And then we have it at uh, local stores. We have a great bookstore, Rough Draft, if you're in Kingston. And we have our buddy uh, John and Maureen Blue, John Blue and Maureen Bird have a a wonderful shop that sells CDs and hats as a combination, and that's Uptown Kingston. And then we have a local Barnes & Noble, too. Kingston sort of, would you say, the the fringe of the New York City area, to some extent? Uh, That you're you're probably at the end of the the line uh, in terms of uh, New York City area places. I would say yes. The strength of that um, migration is probably ends roughly here, but it certainly goes up a bit further too, even to Hudson, and out as you know to twenty eight on uh, Route twenty eight towards Phoenicia. I know this is not in any kind of order. There was a railroad, was there not, that let, went from Kingston into the interior, the um, Ulster in Delaware, was it called? Correct. Yep. Because again, back to my family, one that's one of my relatives worked on that railroad, and I always get confused because people have started a rail fan railroad when and reversed it, and I, so I never know which is the real one and which is the uh, rail fan railroad. Right, there is a little rail fan railroad. Part of it got uh, cut, you know, truncated when they uh, turned part of the reservoir, part of the track from along the reservoir into a rail trail in the last several years. So it got truncated. But uh, they have rides from Kingston out to about the reservoir now, and then further out at Phoenicia, there's another uh, small uh, railroad ride there. Stephen Blauweiss is uh, talking with us about. Kingston, New York. Uh, let me just uh, throw a, a few of your items from your uh, a list uh, at you. Um, I, I, all the things we talked about, so many things. But and asked you originally about garments. Uh, they make clothing in in uh, Kingston. Yeah, now it's to a small degree uh, in more individuals. But uh, Kingston was a huge had a huge garment industry mainly from the beginning of the 20th century uh, through the mid-century, and it kind of faded out as it did in most of North America. Uh, first from the North, where, where most of this was happening uh, in New York through uh, Massachusetts, and then it goes down south uh, to the southern states, a little bit out west, and to Mexico, and ultimately to Asia. At its heyday, it had uh, was very strong here, and some large, very large companies were in Kingston. And I'm actually my where I'm 
speaking to you from is an old shirt factory. It's been called the shirt factory, and it's an old industrial building that has been uh, repurposed. In terms of businesses, what is the story of, of Kingston and IBM? Well, IBM was looking for a place to expand uh, in the early 50s, and they chose just north of Kingston. Literally, it's Lake Katrine, but it's close enough, you know, just over the, you know, edge of the border of Kingston that was called Kingston. And uh, at its peak, it had around 8,000 employees um, and lasted about 40 years and was a major hub of uh, production. Um, they, the electric typewriter was developed there. They had a um, Air Force uh, radar system that was top secret that was run <laughs> there. Uh, and uh, it was a major, many, many thousands of people had a living for a couple of generations here. And then they just up and left, and that devastated Kingston in the early 90s. And since it's still trying to recover from that. Really? So that was a major blow. Why did they leave? It was... Did you just say that it was not explainable or? Um, well, it was, uh, you know, they mismanaged uh, like as, as the famous Kodak, you know, Kodak had early digital technology. They didn't see, you know, how that was going to be useful. And IBM over the years of the personal computer didn't really jump on the bandwagon uh, soon enough. So um, they had to uh, kind of scale back. Hmm. Has anything replaced IBM in terms of uh, um, manufacturing in that area or no? No, not even close. And that would be so, I don't think anything will ever, you know, almost 8,000 employees that will probably never happen. And many, including myself, don't really want that to happen in one way. It's good, but then you're also dependent on this one thing. And if it goes, uh, you have the same devastation to happen. So to be more diversified, I think is a better way to go. Uh, on your list, you have mom and pop shops. Uh, they have a lot of them in Kingston. Uh, there are some still, but we mainly refer to the heyday of mom and pop shops, which is the <clears throat> mid twentieth century. And we do a whole survey of some of the classic uh, shops that were in Kingston, from small grocery stores to clothing stores that many Kingstonians remember. That every town has its you know, great old stores. And so we do a survey on that. We cover such a wide depth and breadth of subjects. And that, of course, is one of them. What's across the river from Kingston? Right across the river is Rhine Cliff. And then just oh. a little further going east in that same direction is Rhine Beck that people might know better. And then slightly south of there, maybe about five or six, seven miles is uh, the FDR uh, old uh, compound and library. The Roosevelt Estate, where FDR lived. It's just a little south south of that. Uh, and and Rhine Cliff and Rhine Beck, uh, they have this uh, airport over there in Rhine Beck, right? With it uh, has a lot of vintage airplanes. Yeah, they have like a little aerial show that they do. Is that, though, kind of off the reservation in terms of Kingston? If you're from Kingston, you're from Kingston. You're not from Rhinebeck or uh, some reason uh, the FDR, maybe you'll help me with this, the FDR name is not coming to my brain. But it, in other words, it, you're, you're, if you got to be in Kingston to be a Kingston. 
Yeah, of course. And it's quite a bit, you know, it's a good 20 minutes away. Uh, What I love about Kingston, one of the things I've always loved about it and still do is that there's all these towns around Kingston. So even if you have to cross the river, like we said, to Rhinebeck, but it's a it's a lovely town. And just north of that is Red Hook. And then within on the west side of the river where Kingston is, you have Woodstock, just about 12 miles away. You have New Paltz, which has the university, Saugerties. And so it's lovely to have all these other towns around. Uh, Rosendale is another cute town. A couple of other things from the list. You list cars and cigars. What do they have to do with the King, with Kingston? Both industries were in Kingston. So one thing that was, is always fun to do the job as an historian is the things one discovers. So, of course, one has to come to it with some sense of background already, and then you build on it and build on it. So uh, I didn't know there was a car industry, so we discovered that. I did know there was a cigar industry, but we, you know, go into detail of what those industries were, which buildings, when they were there, uh, who worked there. Women uh, worked in a lot of these uh, industries, not the car one, which was very brief, just around 1908 for a year or two. Um, but the cigar industry was huge here, one of the biggest ones of the of uh, in Kingston. You're on the the rail line, the uh, Amtrak stops in Kingston. I know that well, taking the train from Albany to New York City. Right, but that's actually on the other side of the river, although the, um, it is a connection to Kingston. But that's the Rhinecliff that we have. Ah, that's that's the true. They get off in, you get off in Rhinecliff. We do have a rail, uh, the remnants of the old uh, West Shore line going straight north up to Albany from uh, Weehawken, New Jersey. And that's a freight line now. But until the late 50s, it was both freight and passenger. And we had four line, four different rail lines coming through Kingston at its, in its heyday of the early part of the 20th century. Hmm. What about, uh, if we talked about trains and cars, what about ships, uh, steamships, uh, they also came out of Kingston. Yes, yeah, steamships were very important when Fulton, you know, first came through in, in the early 1800s, you know, and, and Kingston was really Rondau because uh, that's on the creek, you know, was right in there. And Thomas Cornell uh, jumped into that industry early on and uh, started refurbishing and uh, creating um, steamships, and then he built the largest tugboat fleet. In fact, what always sounds so interesting is the largest tugboat fleet to service New York City was based in Rondau. So many things like that where you're like, what? You know, just on and on and on, lists and lists and lists of things like that. Stephen Blauweiss and uh, Karen Borelowitz, uh, their book is called The Story of Historic Kingston, what are you working on now? I mean, what what is your uh, interest in Kingston now? Or are you working on different things than we've talked about? Yeah, so we have like a kind of five-year plan, and um, uh, some of them we've already been working on. And so this book, which we call a documentary film in print, we're actually going to make a documentary out of it. So that is a little different in that we'll be interviewing people firsthand, and then we have a lot of the photographs um, that we used in the book. And again, the book is really unique in the sense that the photography and how it is displayed and interrelates with the text is very unique. 
and no, it's not dry. You never know what's going to be on the next page. Uh, so in that same format, it's also a horizontal format, which is unusual, um, a little more unusual. And uh, our new book that we're starting to work on now, which will be in exactly the same format with the imagery and the concise text and the wide uh, spread of subjects, is Woodstock, which is about the town of Woodstock, a hundred years of counterculture through art and music. And that's a wide subject also very interesting to me. And then a friend of mine, we actually have an entry in uh, our current book about, and this is a whole wonderful topic, which thankfully I'm just starting a documentary on with my colleague who just spent six years writing a book about a seal college, which were originally were really sea lions. And um, that's a whole wonderful story. Well, Stephen Blauweiss, thanks very much for joining us and talking about the story of historic Kingston. You've been listening to the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore.